It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's beat reporter Craig Hoffman. The Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. I am Craig Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson. And all right, Logan, it's time to get ready for another football game, which is good because that means we can mostly stop talking about the last one. Yeah, I mean, it's tough, man. That's a, that's a tough loss. And, you know, it's exciting. That's the fun thing about the NFL is that you get opportunities each and every week to get better and kind of get moving in the right direction. And, you know, that's I think that's something that fans kind of miss is like as a player, as a coach, it's you can't dwell on that one too much like it's done by Tuesday when you kind of review the film and so it's kind of it's good I think it's healthy to kind of get on to the next game and it's gonna be a tough one but um it's always exciting for an opportunity so for sure and uh I thought it was funny uh Jay Gruden tweeted out the other day he's like hey watch out for Washington this week they were terrible against Chicago bounce back against Atlanta terrible against New York all right, actually, it started even with the Buffalo game. They bounced back after yep. Buffalo. They bounced back after Chicago. Can they bounce back after New York? Uh, obviously, the opponent significantly tougher in the defending NFC champion Eagles, who look like they are catching their stride. So we'll get into kind of the matchup itself in a second. But one, one thing that we want to talk about that's more uh, kind of contained within the commander's world is the play calling balance for Eric Bieniemy. Sure. And a big topic of this week, obviously, has been the pressures and sacks given up on Sunday to the Giants, who had five coming into the game and left with far more than that uh, in the game itself. I guess they wanted with six in the game itself, so more than doubled their sack total on the year. And it was the first time, I think, this year that you look back and you go, yeah, most of those were on the offensive line, as opposed to Sam holding the ball too long, not moving in the pocket, whatever it may be. But then people start throwing around these stats of like, oh, the outline's been bad all year. Andrew Wiley's given up more pressures than anyone else. Sadiq Charles has given up more sacks than any interior offensive lineman or second most or whatever it is. And then you just start to look at the percentage numbers and they're right there in the middle. They're average. And and you just realize like part of the reason that the sack number, the pressure number is so high is because Sam Howell has dropped back to pass more than almost any other. It might even be more than any other. No, it's the yeah. yeah, he's he's dropped back to pass more times than any quarterback in the league this year, and thus there are more opportunities, uh, and those those average percentages yield higher uh, raw numbers. 
So with that uh, very nerdy setup, Logan, um, from a sheer like volume standpoint, do they need to just run the football more to keep Sam upright? And and uh, is like what what effect does that have, or is that a silly oversimplification of a strategy? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a it's a little bit of an oversimplification, but you know, like with everything, there's a there's an element of truth to that, right? And I think like when you look at, you know, I think they're at seventy percent pass to run ratio. It's it's insanely high, and like in terms of drop back pass attempts they're leading by like 100 like 100 to 10 it's it's a really crazy statistical breakdown when you look at that so obviously you need to do something a little bit more because like while analytically i think we both support the idea of throwing the football as being relatively more efficient i also think there's advantages to running the football in terms of game flow in terms of deleveraging your quarterback making it easier for your offensive line like you just alluded to all those different things so um i do think you need to probably run the football more but i also think there's layers to this and so the first layer is obviously the run game like we've talked about is kind of cultivated cultivated around this idea that you're going to throw the ball to then run and there's not like this crazy nuanced hyper detailed rushing attack and i'm going to cite you know the 49ers the the um the green bay packers the miami dolphins those are all run schemes that i'm very familiar with even the detroit lions they have a lot of things that i see and i'm like oh that's really good high-level stuff. Receivers involved in the blocking surface. We're changing strength in the middle of the play. Like we have the tight end off the ball to the left. He's blocking back to the right on an outside zone to the right. We're immediately changing of strength. We're using the jet motion principles to kind of find advantageous looks, find the bubbles and spacing of the defense, and find the angles to the next level. That is what I, when I think about a good running game, that's what I think about. Now, like there's many ways to do this thing. There's a hundred ways to skin a cat, a million ways to skin a cat, whatever it is. But I, I think like that's what I would like to see more of. But again, that's my own personal bias. If you want to run the football more, you have to you have to be invested in it in a way that I don't think this team has invested in it. And so I would say, well, what are some simple solutions that you've seen that that there's, that there's a precedent for, having watched Kansas City, having watched where EB comes from, and some of the stuff that maybe you say we could get some miles out of is, hey, let's run a couple more jet sweeps, and it doesn't need to be ten more jet sweeps. We're talking three more jet sweeps because then when that jet sweep action comes and the linebackers bump now we've kind of cultivated some creative angles to the next level so i think there is an element of yes you want to run the football more but you need to be more efficient running the football and how do you do that and I, to me it's there's a schematic element there's a an identity element there's it's a, it's a lot and to kind of make that adjustment Week seven of the football season can be a little bit challenging, but also like to your point, you met, you brought this up the other day, and I think it's a brilliant point. Even the stuff that we thought we'd see in terms of screens and kind of quick passes, and I'm not talking quick game, I'm talking like quick little bubble screen outlets, that right. elevates the rushing attack, and that kind of is a supplement for that, and we haven't seen a lot of that. It's been very, very consistent in terms of we're running, they run a ton of five-step drop, and that's what, it's been good for them, and I like it, but I'm also of the mindset that, hey, man, we need to kind of find some different stuff to do. And I don't like to be critical of play callers because it's so hard to do that. But if I'm just kind of thousand foot view and if EB came up to me, I'd say, hey, man, and he, and he asked me, Logan, he asked me for my opinion. This is what I tell him. I'd say, hey, I'd like to see a little bit more diversity in terms of how do we get to our runs? I know we like these runs, but can we be more diverse in terms of formation, motion, shift, whatever, to find advantageous looks? Can we find some of these other opportunities that Kansas City use a lot, utilizes in terms of screens, like bubble pass? That's not exactly what I want to call it because it's more, di more complicated than just bubble passes, but quick immediate throws, now screens, stuff like that. 
to again elevate the de- elevate what you're doing offensively and create horizontal stretch in the defense. And I think there are elements of that. You know, I think they were. I, I really believe they thought the RPO would be more effective for them this year. It hasn't really yeah. had hit the way they thought. I don't think so. There's there's an, an answer. Yes, but I, it's it's more complicated than just yes. The running game needs to be more efficient. There are a, a million ways to be more efficient. You have to select one that you feel like in kind of fits with your offensive philosophy. And that's the thing that I think is challenging at this point is how do you kind of analytically step back, say, this is who we want to be offensively. We want to be a team that passes a lot, but we also got to run the ball. So where is the kind of the Venn diagram cross-sectional that we that right. fits us really well? So I think there's also some unique challenges, maybe not unique, actually, even thinking about the league, but like some logistical challenges with how they run their offense too, because it's better to run the ball from under center, but you like from angle standpoint, and we've talked about that and you've gone in great detail and kind of informed everybody about why that is in terms of the angles created, the the timing of certain plays, but they don't pass the ball from under center. So you can't, you can't just be like, Oh, well we'll run it from under center and then we'll go back in the shotgun to pass it because then the defense is onto you. Like there's some stuff that's too simple. Um, and that it won't work because defenses will be on it. Well, I think even gun runs, there's it, it obviously like under center, like there's things the backs can do. Their shoulders are facing the line of scrimmage. They can be a little bit more aggressive, build more speed. But when you're in gun, if the backs to my right, they can only run to the left. Like that's the run you're going to run. And a lot of people say you can pitch left. You can pitch it to the right. If the, you can pitch it to the same side, the backs on, but a lot of teams don't do that. So like there are, you know, I do film breakdowns for guys around the league who are defensive players and there are insane tendencies insane tendencies when the back is offset to the right it's like 90 percent run to the left and so like it 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 limits your ability to attack both sides of the defense effectively Mm -hmm. and i think there's that's something that people often forget too so in addition to being somewhat challenging for the back i i personally think again i come from a system where we do a lot of a dot runs even if it's pistol you're behind the back you're at seven yards you're attacking line of scrimmage the back can build momentum they can build a, you're working on an angle as opposed to working like a 90 degree cut think about it if i cross the quarterback my shoulders are perpendicular to the line of scrimmage as opposed to or parallel to the line of scrimmage as opposed to relatively per- perpendicular so all of those things factor in and I really believe like when you look at good teams like that good have good gun runs, they have a little bit of a wrinkle. Like Philly, for example, they are a team that has some good gun runs. A, their offensive line's amazing and they're able to create a ton of space. B, they have one of the most mobile centers in football. They use him like a fullback and that really elevates what they do. So what is your wrinkle? And one other thing too, because it connects to your last point that the Eagles uh, have, you can't just play 90% run to the right because Jalen could keep it 100%. at a much higher rate than any other quarterback in the league. Hundred percent, and so like what is and so I think like obviously the Philadelphia is like a, a like that's really hard to replicate. But you look at like Sean McVay and what he did in L.A. when he first got there, and he found a way through the jet sweep action and through utilizing of jet sweep, which is you know permeated the NFL at this point to kind of find his own wrinkle. And so I'm not saying you need to do anything crazy. But what is the wrinkle? What is the thing that allows you to be just a little bit more efficient in the run game? And, you know, I think there's some I, – I think I'd be remiss if I didn't say I think B-Rob and Gibson are having a hard time with some of the techniques they want them to learn. You can tell sometimes in terms of stretching the run and getting it where it needs to go. But I also think you just help those guys out, help the backs out, help the offensive line out in terms of angles. Like I hate – I hate as an, as an analyst – when the double team is just going straight or it's going to an angle to the front side, it just is 
when it's an out leverage double team, it's hard. It's really, really hard to be successful with that. So I would just say, um, obviously, you know, I think we all identify that running the football would bring down that percentage in terms of discrepancy. It's just the right now they're not overly efficient in terms of running the ball. So my question to fans, to people watching is don't think of it as like, I need to run the ball more. I need to run the ball more efficiently earlier in the game, I think is the other element I would kind of allude to there. Cause I do think they have good rushing efficiency in the second half, but I think that is kind of, they've kind of built that in because they throw the ball, they get these two shell structures and then it's like, okay, yeah, it's opened up now. Our angles are better, but sometimes you don't have time to do that. So um, that's kind of my thought on that. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to see Curtis get back involved in the run game as well. Um, you know, he had to carry in most of their early games this season when the offense, I feel like is a little more consistent. Um, and there's just something about that. Like one, he's good at it. Uh, and you know, you should get good players, the ball and in spaces where they're good. Uh, but two, I think it's just another look. It's another thing for a defense to think about. Um, and it can open up some stuff. So I think getting him involved, some of the, like a jet pass to Terry, something like that, getting Jahan a, a jet sweep. Like it also gets these, these playmakers involved. Um, the under center thing though, like, is like, is there any track record of success for Sam under center as a passer? Like how, how does, is that even an, an option? Cause they, it seemed like when they wanted to run the ball last week, when EB was like, okay, we got to run some, this is not going well. They went to like the same play. It looked like under center, the same, at least like, sure. in, you know, like fake it left, go right. But they also then eventually ran a play action off it. And Sam got destroyed instantly because the Giants probably thought it was run and just pulled through the line of scrimmage and, and went right after Sam. So there was no time. Um, so like you have to be able to mix it up with a little bit of drop back with a little bit of roll with it, with something that's a passing element from under center. Have they done that really at all this year? It doesn't feel like, yes. I mean, uh, in the, in the, in the Broncos game, they did a little bit, a little bit under center, but I think, and they do pass a little bit from under center, but it's not, again, it's, it's majority gun. I want to say it's like 80% gun. That's just a number that I pulled out of my hat over there, right? but it feels that way. Right. And it's, so they it's a very do, nice do, hat, by the way. Thank you. They do do some stuff like that, but it, you, to your point, it's, it's, does it marry? There are times even too, like where I feel like from a personnel standpoint, it's very obvious that they're trying to run the football. It's like we're in 12, we're in 13. They're, and there are times where they spread them out and it looks like they're going to throw the ball and then they get nice and tight and packed in and it's, and it's a run. So I, the, it, running, running the football kind of encapsulates all of these things. I yeah. don't think the offense is bad. I think the offense has done some stuff that I've been really impressed with. I think they, the way that, they, that Sam has developed in the offense has been very impressive. Obviously, there are some outliers to this, but he's a young quarterback. He's learning a new system. Yeah. It's hard to feel that way when, like, if the progress is the old stock market graph where, like, you just have to invest over time. On one of the dips, it's hard to feel like you're making progress. But if you look at where we are now compared to where we were week two, it's still, and you draw a straight line, it's still up. Yeah, and it, it is very, very challenging. And I understand that that's so hard for fans or people just watching the game to kind of internalize, but Sam has done some really good stuff this year. For and sure. so it's just about, again, to this kind of overall point, is how do you, when, when Sam's off, which I would say in the Giants game he's off, how do you run your offense more effectively? And it wasn't just Sam. Obviously, Nick Gates had a hard game. Sadiq, you know, gave up pressure. Like everyone kind of took their turns. And we talked about that on the on the review pod, the film review pod. But when it's not going well, like, do you have something that settles you in? And I feel like they found that in terms of the sprint, the sprint stuff that they did in the second half to the tune of probably like eight to ten times. But I, I don't know. I just I, maybe I'm old school in this regard, but I feel like you should have that kind of 
yeah, if we have to run the ball, we can run the ball. And I think about, you know, the old um, Indianapolis Colts with Peyton Manning, for example, like best quarterback maybe of all time. And when it got into the playoffs and he was having an off game, they couldn't run the ball. And then you compare that to Tom Brady when he's having an off game. Yeah, we can run the heck out of the ball because it's part of our team identity. And so where is that? And again, this is a new offensive coordinator, new system. He's establishing his identity. I think it's all kind of to be expected, especially in the first year. But it is frustrating to to not have those answers right away. But it but it it's uh, it's it, the history shows you that new offenses, no matter where they are, tend to struggle, and the ones that are very successful tend to be outliers. Yeah, and you know, I'll add this to EB's credit. Um, I think for a lot of this year, like the stuff that got Sam comfortable, those plays that you talk about to like create that comfortability, get Sam back on track, were the quick game stuff that he was missing. So that's uh, that's tough. And it's like, ah, this is the thing. Oh, he's not doing right. the thing. Crap. Right. What else do we do? Um, and how quickly can you get to something else? Um, and the answer wound up being the role stuff. And you no, know, I would run him early in a game too. He's a guy that you know I think does that well, and it also can create like a little bit of a. You know, we talk about the thing with Jalen, like you can't play the, the the run straight because you're afraid of the read option. Like I would try to call a couple of those early and, and basically until he pulls one and get him kind of in the feel of the game that way as well. So that that's another that's possibility. Yeah. And, and, and again, there's not like a heavy lift. You're running a lot of tight zone. You're running a lot of duo anyway. Backs offset, right? You read that right defensive end. It's the same action for the back. So, yeah. and, I, and I know I, you can tell they've tried to run it a couple of times and he's handed it off and I think it's the right read, but at the same time, it's your point. Like, can you build that up? Then you a should bit? have a numbers advantage. Those, those yeah. run plays should work then. Right. Right. And so, yeah. And so I don't, again, I said, it's the right read. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't, but yeah, I think to your point, like that's a nice way to add a little bit of flexibility. And then can you make that, <clears throat> excuse me, can you make that package a little bit more, um, a little bit more layered. Like I look at Philly, for example, and they are starting to kind of develop their RPO package. Like on, they had a third and short that they were running against Miami where it looks like old Philly, where it's, we've got two receivers to the left. We've got split backs. They run a little pick play off the zone read. The linebacker steps up to tackle Jalen Hurts. He drops the guy in the flat. You throw it to the flat, ends up being a 20-yard gain. Like that's, you're layering a concept that's really easy for the quarterback and really easy for the offense to install off of something you already have in, assuming that they have that zone read stuff, which we've seen they've run in short yardage situations. So I would say, yeah, like what is the wrinkle? Like maybe that's the the, the conclusion here is what is your wrinkle yeah. to find a more efficient way to run the football? Because running the ball the way they've been running it obviously is not tenable long term, and it it just needs a little bit of, a little bit of seasoning. And I think it gets you where you want to go. So keep an eye out for that this week against Philly, I guess. Yeah, I also wonder um, another potential solution. Let's go two backs. You just mentioned it with Philly. Like you got Gibson, you got Rodriguez, you got uh, B Rob. Like put them. You want to run left or run right? Put one on either side. Like there, there's it's it's that kind of stuff that you wonder. You know what what is the ultimate solution? That's EB's job, not ours. We could throw out a thousand possibilities, uh, but we'll we'll leave that there for now. We're not the OC, right? Yeah. No, no. And my paycheck does not reflect uh, OC. <laughs> It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
on your happy price, price line. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. Craig Hoffman, Logan Paulson with you. All right, so let's let's take a look at this Philly game specifically. The offense did have success the first yep. time against Philly. What were they able to do last time that you think is repeatable? Um, and and by the way, I hope it doesn't involve some kind of inferior safety play because the Eagles just traded for Kevin Byard, who's one of the best, I don't know, five, three, two, one safeties in all the NFL. Yeah. Um, so I really think everything they did in the first game transfers because the way they play their defense is very similar to what Jack or what Jack did during training camp. It's like a single high match principle. They ran a lot of cover two versus Miami because everyone runs, runs cover two versus Miami. You don't want to get burned to death by Tyree Kill or Jalen Water Waddle. So makes sense. But I think you're going to get a lot of single high safety, a lot of match coverage. It's going to look like man. They are okay at it. And so there's a lot of space in the back end. So if you can kind of manage the pass rush, which again is not this crazy dynamic, like when you watch, I don't know, San Francisco maybe as an example, it's not this group that just wins quickly and often. It's a group that is going to kind of push the po- pocket, compress it. Obviously, you do have guys like Fletcher Cox and Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter has one of the highest pressure rates of any interior defensive player in the nfl it's very very good he's awesome obviously yeah i think i think according to espn's metrics he's got the highest uh win rate for pass rush of interior alignment yeah like it's awesome it's great and he's a good football player he's not on the field all the time like that's part of the thing of what they do but uh, you can contend with him it's just about how you manage that like you watch the miami game and miami was like we're pretty we feel pretty comfortable with our offensive line which is not a good group like i would actually probably say the commander's offensive line is better which is crazy but i think that scheme insulates that group a little bit better um and they were able to find some explosive plays down the field if you can protect it there's air in the back end and you talk about darius slay and bradbury and all these corners i think those guys are good players they're opportunistic players but in terms of straight one-on-one when the pressure doesn't match the coverage principles those guys are just okay like okay to good they're, they're like b b plus players and most corners are if the pressure's not getting home they're gonna have a hard time and so um like i think about a third and long that i just watched uh this morning where they run like a pylon like a deep corner like really high angled corner really nice stem by the backup receiver wilson jr from miami gets slayed turned around ends up being a, like a 25 yard gain there are opportunities there and i think when i look at the first game for the commanders all that stuff's transferable. Now it's what is the wrinkle? What is the evolution to that concept to make sure that you can ensure those throws for Sam? And I do think Sam felt very comfortable. Like with the um, with the Giants game, for example, we talked a lot about how 
stylistically that defense was going to be very very challenging for Sam to go against because it kind of did everything that he was that he's been struggling with Philly is different they don't pressure a ton they kind of play their coverage structure it's relatively simple I you know match coverage is really hard but it's got a man principle get the ball out identify your best matchups that kind of thing and I think Sam does really well with that now I think the question that I would kind of pose to you and to the audience is after watching the the Giants game does the Philly defensive coordinator say hey man we we see how Sam struggles with pressure do we bring a little bit more pressure than we've done the last couple of weeks and kind of try to disrupt Sam also really crazy statistic the worst statistical defensive performance for Philly the second worst was against the Washington Commanders this year so obviously like there was they had a really good game plan they played really well and they executed very well but what does Philly do to change because I do think when you look at the back end of that defense, it's there's air there, and they really rely right. on their rush to kind of disrupt you. So if I'm Sean Desai, the Eagles defensive coordinator, I absolutely just try to mimic as much of the Giants game plan as possible because I'm like, that offense was inoperable, untenable. And by the way, the other time that it was like that this year was against Buffalo, who also you know lit them up pretty good, uh, had some good pressures, some good blitzing, stuff like that. Um, I also think that the space in the back end decreases some with Bayard. Like realistically, Maybe, he's yeah. going to be better at covering space than the guy he's uh, replacing, replacing yeah. which is uh, why they traded. Sure. Um, I think Terrell Edmonds was actually in the trade, um, yeah. who, who's in that role a lot, and we'll see whether he plays like an underneath uh, spot or whether he's he's in the post a bunch. I'd imagine he's probably in the post, um, but we'll see. Um, so yeah, I would I would definitely play that. Um, I would also if I'm we just spent 20 minutes talking about should the commanders run the ball more and you just had a game plan where you played a bunch of too high stuff. I would keep that game plan in. I would play a bunch of too high. I'd be like, you guys killed us last time in the single high stuff. Mm. We're going to dare you to run the football because we know you don't want to, and you're not that good at it. I would, I would dare Washington to run the football. That's me. Um, I kind of have a Belichickian mindset when it comes to defense, where what's made Belichick great for 40 years in the NFL is he has defenses that are capable of doing anything, right. and they just identify what the offense is bad at uh, and good at. They shut down the thing you're good at, like with extreme, like to an extreme, right? right. Where they'll say, we'll double your number. One. If you have one guy that's great, we'll double that guy literally the entire game. Um, and we'll make you do the thing that you're bad at. And if you beat yeah. us doing the thing you're bad at, congratulations, good job. And that's why Belichick is the winningest coach in the history of the league. Um, so that, yeah, if I'm if I'm Sean Desai, we just spent a week preparing for Miami, playing a bunch of uh, too high stuff. I would I would just keep that most of that game plan in against Washington. Very different offense, and you're doing it for different reasons. But my guys are hopefully comfortable with it, and that's how I would approach it. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe that makes a lot of sense to say, like, let's make you do the thing you don't want to do and run the football a ton. Um, that would be really interesting. Also, the pressure thing, I think, I think is interesting. No one is going to pressure like Wink Martindale, obviously. And that's not sure. saying, that's not even including frequency. That's also including how they run their pressures, how they call their pressures, how they design their pressures. Like, he's very, he's special in that way because he comes from a, a defensive tree that, majors in that obviously so um it'd be interesting to see if sean desai employs even or deploys excuse me even a little bit more pressure uh than they did in the in the last matchup and they did do a little bit of it but it's it's the type of pressure that i would characterize as the same stuff that jack del rio does it's it's in very specific moments usually fringe red zone 
you know, it's, 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 it's predictable and it's not overly complicated. Like when you're watching uh, some of the stuff that Wink did, you're like, this is a hard pickup. Like this is challenging. This challenges the rules with Philly. They have not shown those same like uber complicated looks, but maybe you say, Hey, let's get out of our bag a little bit. Let's add a couple pressures. Let's increase our frequency from like, how hard would it be to take one? This is a genuine question, right? Yeah. If I'm Sean Desai, I'm taking one of Wink's pressures and I'm coaching the hell out of it this week. Um, I've never actually been in a defensive install meeting, sure. so I don't know how feasible the thing I just said is, but like, if I could get one of them and I'm going to run it four times until they prove that they can stop it. Sure. I think, I think this is a really interesting conversation, maybe like more of an off season thing. It's yeah. So let, let's just take a run game. Cause I'm familiar with the run game, being an offensive player, installing runs, right. All that kind of stuff is you say, I'm going to put this run in and you're, and this is, and the reason I'm talking about runs is because it's very simple, similar to how you have to do defenses and you say, Oh, this is the run they run the most. This is the front defensively. They run the most right they run a four down structure they like the three technique to the tight end great and you start watching film you're like okay well actually they run this under front a little bit so i have to make sure all the rules that we've installed work versus an under front and then oh actually they do a little bit of even and then they actually have a sam on the ball in this look do all of our rules apply so even installing one run even though like you kind of know what they're going to do it becomes right. this really labor-intensive thing and defense is even worse because right. there's so much variation in offensive what formation. What if they're in 12? What yeah, if they do keep right. it tight? What if they spread? Right. And so gotcha. it, it becomes a little bit more challenging, especially if you don't major in it. So with the Giants, it's it's like pouring milk and pouring, pouring water in your cup in the morning. It's, oh, well, we do. This is what we do. We can put this in versus whatever we want because we know all the checks. We know what we're doing. For someone like Sean Desai, it becomes a little bit more challenging because they don't major in it. They don't do it a ton. And all of a sudden, now you're asking guys to do things, and some of those things are zone pressure. So the defensive end has to drop out, and he's got to drop out to a three by one. Does he have to push to number two, or does he stay in number three? And do you check to that? How do you get that communicated? And it becomes this really crazy um, install. And so even though it's like it's one blitz, it's if it's too crazy, if it's too much of a departure from what you do, right. it becomes like it takes up a whole install as opposed to. Oh, it's just five reps a day for the rest of the week. It's it's like right. is, is the juice worth the squeeze kind of thing. So, right. I guess if you can get it, like, oh, hey, if they're in three by one on third down, we're let's check call. to it. Let's check to it. Yeah, yeah. Let's check. Let's check to Giant. And yeah. Sam's just gonna hear Giant and go, oh no, no, <laughs> please don't be, please don't be that thing. Um. Okay. Yeah. So, but but I think on a larger point, more transferable down in down out. Yeah. I would I would try to make the Commanders run. I would not let Terry have the big day that he had. I would not, I, I would really, really challenge them to get out of their comfort zone, especially again, week to week, you just installed something that's different than what you normally do against Miami. So there's a little bit of continuity there. Um, and, and you always kind of have that point, in your, And to your, your point, which I think is a great point is even though he doesn't have Wink Martindale's blitzes, they have blitzes and they're yeah. probably pretty good. And they probably yeah. are blitzes that are in their language and they can do. So to your point, I, run a little cover two, make them run the ball. And when it's a passing situation, I'm going to blitz. I don't care how good our defense. I know that's a departure from what they normally do, but to see how disruptive it was to this team last yeah. week, I'm going to at least check the tires on that. I'm going to be like, okay, let's, let's yeah. see if you got this corrected and see how it looks. 
Well, speaking of, we should probably touch on the commander's offensive line and the fact that there's going to be changes. Um, now, we are recording this Thursday morning. Um, we do not know exactly what those changes are yet, um, but it does seem like Sadiq Charles is going to be out uh, with the calf injury. Um, so there's, at the very least, going to be a change at left guard. Ron Rivera was non-committal to changes otherwise, including the potential for Tyler Larson at center. Um, what do you make of the possibilities of getting Larson in there. By the way, the commanders are six, I think six, one and one with Larson at center in the last like two years or something Talk like that. Talk about a spurious correlation. I think. Yeah. That's um, but you know, yeah, good for but, Larson. That's yeah. Good, good for Tyler. <laughs> uh, but he's a veteran guy. He's seen a bunch of stuff. He's probably, I'd have to check, but uh, maybe I'll look this up real quick. Like I wonder who's got like more career snaps, more career games, him or Nick Gates. Cause Gates was oh. injured a ton in New York, right? Like right. we think of him as a veteran, but he's fairly inexperienced veteran um, by veteran standards. So, what what do you make of the possibility there? And then also, what do you do at left guard? Is, is that a Chris Paul situation or is that a Ricky Stromberg situation? Stromberg's come into the games because Paul's been inactive, but now now you have the chance to make Chris Paul active and keep Stromberg in the backup role he is. So which which direction do you go there? Yeah, I think that's going to be really compelling to see what they do because that's where Jalen Carter lines up. And he, like we just talked about, has a ton of pressure. So you're going to be putting a young football player in a situation where they're going to have to block a very good pass rusher. And obviously there's things you can do to insulate that guy. You can work slides that way. You can, you can kind of totally change what you're doing from an offensive standpoint. But I do think that like that's going to be a matchup. You got to circle in red. And and if, if Sadiq's out and, and say what you want about Sadiq, I think he's been a very consistent performer this year. Obviously, there's always room for improvement. But on the whole, I think I think there's this narrative around the offensive line that I think is somewhat undeserved. Are they the best offensive line in football? No, absolutely not. But are they the worst line in football? No, absolutely not. They're somewhere right in the middle. And middle middling offensive line play, while not exciting, and I think fans, especially of this area, like with the history of the Hogs and um, you know the Trent Williams and Brandon Sheriffs of the world, obviously great offensive linemen, are used to that standard. Most teams do not have that luxury. So I think this group has been fine outside of the New York game where I thought they struggled a little bit. That being said, when you replace one of those pieces that's been – relatively consistent with Chris Paul, who I am very high on. I know we're both very high on after training camp, and he's going to be, be going against one of the best defensive lines in football because it's not only Jalen Carter, it's Jordan Davis, it's um, Fletcher Cox, it's all of these pieces. Yeah. That's something that's going to be a little bit concerning. And so we talked about earlier in the show, how do you run the same offense you ran before? And the protection was pretty consistent. And if the protection for some reason regresses here and becomes less consistent, less effective – that's going to be very, very challenging. And maybe they don't need to blitz because you just have this matchup at left guard that you feel really good about, you know, the second pick overall winning consistently. So, yeah, I just looked real quick. Jalen Carter uh, played Arkansas twice in his career. Uh, not super productive. Not obviously it's not all on Ricky Stromberg, but uh, you know, there, there is at least a little bit of like familiarity personnel, man to man experience there um, of those two playing in the sec. If Stromberg ultimately gets the call. Um, I also think it's interesting that like, it seems to be Larson at center, not Stromberg. Um, yeah. again, like Stromberg was taking the third round. I think when that happened, both of us were like, Oh, there's your, there's your starting center. And instead it's probably going to be, and, and like, I, I think this is also, um, I get it. Like it's interesting, but I get it because you don't necessarily want a rookie 
essentially a rookie quarterback, a very inexperienced second year quarterback and a rookie center. Like that's, that's asking for trouble for a team that already is struggling, picking up blitzes, identifying blitzers, sliding protections, all this kind of stuff. Right. So getting a veteran like Larson in there um, could certainly be helpful. Yeah. I was just about to say, I think that's really good insight. Cause one of the things that sticks out to me about Nick Gates's play so far is I feel like physically he's probably been fine outside of his matchup with Dexter Lawrence. I think he's been a guy that seems like he's going to the right people most of the time in the run game. He's got a nice physicality, got a nice finish to how he plays. If there's one thing that I would be questioning, because again, we don't know exactly who's responsible for targeting the protections, is that some of the protections are not always targeted correctly or they're not always communicated effectively. And if that's the center's responsibility, obviously you want someone coming in in Tyler Larson who knows or has experience with that kind of stuff. And like, like we talked about before, Tyler Larson had a very productive preseason was very effective and if that's the issue in your offense you know and it's hard to know exactly it's hard to know exactly what's going on with that because we're not in the building we don't have all this kind of insider information but if there's one thing that would make me question gates is gates is a starter it's the mental stuff i want a guy who's got experience and knows what he's doing let's get him in there and get him calling the protections effectively and getting the runs id effectively and all that kind of stuff and that's one something i'd be very concerned about Ricky doing not because I don't think he's capable of it but because he's a young player and the idea of having a young center and a young quarterback working together with a new with a young left guard uh is something that is not very appetizing to me in this game so I would probably lean Larson here if I was making the decision but we, again we don't we have no inside information um yeah. but something to keep an eye on uh Gates has played 51 career games, but about half of those have been at guard. Larson's played 93, wow. every single one of them at center. So um, the experience game, certainly uh, one thing to consider this week as they make that call. Um, anything else on the commander's offense versus this Philadelphia defense before we flip the field? And we talked a lot about the offensive line there and the quarterback. And again, that's a big storyline. But I also think the skill position players in the last matchup played really well. I think B-Rob was effective running the football. Um, I think Logan Thomas had an excellent football game. Terry and Darius Slay, that's a matchup that is fun to watch every single time. And I feel like Terry's got a slight advantage. Jahan was productive at times. Um, can he continue to develop and grow, uh, build off that performance that he had against the Giants? Because like we talked about, even though he dropped that that fourth and three at the end of the game, which is huge, he looked like he was his legs were back on, under him a little bit. He had some nice suddenness. He was open on some for, for some big play opportunities. And now can you hit some of those would be my question. So I do think I'm excited for the skill position group, but I do think the main story, like we just discussed, is the the slight musical chairs on the offensive line and can somehow repeat that performance in terms of production and then what does philly do basically saying like that was our worst defensive perform one of our worst defensive performances of the year how do we counteract that and what do they bring to the table so very compelling on that side of the ball and can this offense bounce back and i think they can but it's going to be challenging for sure Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day, your weekly source for all things commanders, right on time, your time. A list of household chores. Do them without missing a beat and listen while you work. In the car, turn mundane drives into memorable moments. With podcasts, you can maximize productivity and minimize FOMO. We're on demand, so we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. Slogan Paulson there. I am Craig Hoffman. And you can come hang out with us on Sunday. Tap Sports Bar, MGM National Harbor, the Take Command pregame show. We start at 10 on 1067, the fan of the team 980. Streams live on YouTube, both stations as well. And doors open to come hang out with us in person at 11 a.m. And then, Logan, uh, we're back to FedEx Field. I guess you've been yes. there recently. I haven't been there since the Buffalo game because the only other home game since the Buffalo game was Chicago oh. late night. And I was like, I am going home. I remember because you had done your show. Um, and yeah, I've, like, been at, I've been at tap for a long time. That yeah. Day. A, lot, a lot of vibes at tap, which is a great spot yeah. to be, but I don't know yeah. if I want to be there for f- six hours. So no, good, good vibes at tap. But then, then I was ready to, to no more vibes at FedEx. And then, boy, was that a good decision considering yeah. how that game went. Uh, That's, certainly it's always tough. It's on, always uh, tough to Sunday. be in the press box in those games because everyone is, you know, I, all the reporters and all the people covering the team are, they're fans. They want to cover good football. And when you get up there, it's, and it's not, you get going a little well. punchy. It gets a little punchy. That's exactly right. You're like, oh, yeah. I, I, I wish I could watch the game anywhere but in here right now because it's, <laughs> everyone's so bummed but uh, i don't know that going out in the stands would be much better i know if you want to go, go on a field trip just let me know hey you want to get out of here let's go <laughs> let's go in the 400s and see how the folks up there are doing <laughs> yeah i ended up just watching on the tv in the back there which is weird because you can hear the game going on but you're just watching yeah. it you just want to be left alone but yeah hopefully much better performance than that one so we'll that would speak. be That'd be good. Uh, let's see. Let's talk about how the defense can have a, a better performance, uh, certainly than that night, uh, but also uh, kind of keep going what they've had the last two games. Like they were okay against Atlanta. Yeah. Definitely got helped out by Desmond Ritter being Desmond Ritter. Um, and then against the Giants, they were they were pretty darn good. Um, a couple of big plays here and there, but largely very, very effective. And this has kind of been the Del Rio model. First five games, yikes, man. And then they start to round into form. Uh, and they're right on schedule in that regard. <laughs> Philly, different different challenges, though, than a banged-up New York Giants offense led by Tyrod Taylor. Uh, with that line, you got the best O-line in football. You got Jalen Hurts. You have A.J. Brown, who's got like 152 games straight of 125 uh, receiving yards. It's actually not wow. that many. But he's got like, I think it's six I think yeah. it's five or six straight games of 25 yards. Devontae Smith always seems to come alive against these guys and have some big plays. Um, so, you know, how do the how, how do you try to 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 limit this offense and give yourself a shot? Yeah. So I think if you're a fan of this team and you're a fan of the defense, I, while the Giants game, I know people are really frustrated by. I took it in a more positive way from a defensive side of the football. And we, you mentioned the explosive plays, which, which cannot happen, obviously. But I do feel like watching it that there was a higher comfortability or the defense was more comfortable in certain coverage structures than they've been in a while. Instead of having guys kind of running open or not passing stuff off correctly, I felt like they found some coverage structures, kind of this two-man, two to match um, in conjunction with their traditional match stuff that felt a little bit more um, tight, a little bit more assignment sound. And so I would say if you just apply that same principle in conjunction with how well this defensive front 
always plays against the um, always plays against the Philadelphia Eagles. And I'm, by the defensive front, I'm talking defensive line. Sweat, Chase, Payne, Allen, Ridge had a really good game last time they played. Even though it was kind of a smaller sample size, they that group can stop the run if they're playing if they're, if they're if they're if they're playing at a high level. And I think they will. They always seem to kind of step up with that. And so if the secondary is playing a little bit better, you can eliminate some of those explosive plays, which on paper and based on the past two weeks, you'd say they probably can. I know fans are saying Jalen Hyatt had two two explosive plays. I take those as more of a positive, relatively speaking, to other explosive plays they've given up this year because St. Juice is in good relationship to the receiver. So you need a right. good it's, throw. They weren't coverage busts. It was just right. like dudes made plays. Right. And and so again, that's kind of how I take that. Even the one that he had that he gave up to Drake London, where Drake London goes up and they kind of wrestle with it. He's in good relationship to the receiver. We're not having somebody bust on the field. Percy Butler, we talked about him, maybe not always perfect in terms of his angles and, and uh, landmarks to tackling, but I thought was much more consistent in terms of getting to where he was supposed to be in coverage structure, which if you're a fan, all good things because those things help eliminate big explosive plays to A.J. Brown. Now, is A.J. Brown going to get his? Yeah, for sure he's going to get his because he's A.J. Brown, but can you limit kind of the how dynamic those opportunities are and i think that's what you're seeing from the coverage standpoint obviously that is really heavily predicated on does the defensive line stop the run because i still think that's extremely extremely important when you look at them analytically they have one of the high they have the highest number of rush attempts in the nfl they're third in terms of percentage it's a big part of their identity and i look at the giants game or the jets game excuse me that they had and the jets did a fantastic job of stopping the run bringing pressure on third down because one of the things about Jalen Hurts that I think is often overlooked in terms of his evaluation is that he holds the football almost as long as anybody in the NFL. I think he's got like the third longest time to throw something like that. Him and Sam Howell are are very similar. So what they did is they said, we're we're not going to rely on our front four to get home all the time. We're going to be a little bit more aggressive in terms of pressure, which again, exposes the back end. So I don't know if Jack's going to feel comfortable with that, but they brought some pressures, nothing crazy, just to force Jalen Hurts off the spot. He made some mistakes in that game, and obviously the Jets were able to capitalize. So I would kind of follow elements of that game plan. So I think there's a good roadmap. I think you've got some good things from a coverage standpoint you like, and I think the defensive front always plays well against this group. Can they create some of their own pressure would be one of my thoughts, but that's kind of my high-level thoughts on the defense. Yeah. Now you mentioned the back end. You mentioned the line. There's a there's a piece missing there, and that is a big question for this week. How do you think they handle the linebacker situation? Because Cody Barton was a DMP Wednesday. Um, definitely seems like he could miss the game on Sunday again. We record this on Thursday mornings, um, which allows us to talk about a lot of stuff. And this is kind of the one hole in our timing of this podcast because sure. we want to be able to get it out to people enough time to listen before the game. But the injury, the injury status um, is floating out there for Barton. And if he can't play, it kind of begs the question, like, do you just put David Mayo out there and pray for the best? Um, you saw some of him getting exposed in coverage last week, um, but also some other situations. And he, it got a little bit better. Do you put Jamin at the mic? Um, do you let throw a young guy like Dejon Harris out there? Like, Interesting, there, yeah. There's, you know, because Kalik is, is, is kind of in the mix rotationally, like, how do you handle that second level of the defense if Cody Barton? And by the way, who gets the dot? You just put it on. I, I, my guess is they put it on Mayo and say, like, you're calling the defense. You're playing middle linebacker. Please be careful in coverage. Um, yeah. do, do the best you can, man. Um, and he'll go out there and try his hardest, and hopefully it's good enough. But I, there are options. How do you think they, they handle it? 
Yeah, in terms of guys that have been kind of the most splashy and exciting, obviously Kalik and Jamin are those guys. And I think Jamin obviously had he struggled last week. Um, we talked about the Tampa two throw for the touchdown. He's kind of in between a scrambling Tyrod Taylor and Saquon Barley Bar Bar Barkley. Jeez, um, a situation that I don't want to find myself in ever. And obviously get lost in that situation. But I think overall he's having a very good year. Uh, can he be the Mike? I don't know if that's something you want to do. I'd like to get both those athletes on the field. And we talked about Mayo. And Mayo, uh, you know, obviously had some issues in coverage. That's kind of who he is. But I also, he led the team in tackles. He he's a physical player. And he's a smart player. And so I don't want to diminish his role and his ability to execute at a at a serviceable level for this defense. Um, and against a team that runs the ball a lot, maybe you want a guy in there that's, that's excellent at stopping the run. That's um, a good point. I don't know. So it'd be interesting because I do think um, they do a lot in terms of attacking the perimeter. They attack the middle of the field. You got there, there's there's pros and cons to both. So maybe in terms of athletes, guys that I'm just like, wow, those two dudes are amazing athletes. I want them on the field more. Kalik and Jamin. In terms of consistency, I think you go Mayo. And so ultimately, I think the answer probably resides somewhere in a combination of the three of them and finding the best situations for each of them to be successful. Um, because while Kalik is a tremendous athlete, there's times in coverage where he doesn't seem to be totally on the same page with the coverage structure. And that comes with experience and timing. So I like all three of those guys. Do they all have, they're all limited in some way. They're all excellent in some way. And just, if I'm, if I'm Jack, if I'm the defensive staff, it's about finding the best amalgamation of that. Cause that's going to be a huge issue this week is, is those guys and their ability to kind of play both contain Jalen Hurts. All of those things. So, um, well, we talked about the D line a lot. Talked about the secondary a lot. They're going to have a huge role in, in in this defense's success. Yeah, um, you could also play all three. Um, you know, they played a little bit more base yeah. these last couple of weeks uh, since the injury to Derek Forrest. So, where they they haven't wanted to do as much of the three safety look. The result has been Kalik's been the other guy on the field playing that Sam linebacker spot. So that's another possibility as well. Um, you know, we'll see what they do. Quan's played pretty well, but extremely limited snaps. Um, you know, what kind of speed do you want on the field? There's, there's all these questions that are tough to answer, and that's Jack's job. And when he gives his presser later today, uh, he's not going to answer any of those questions. <laughs> that's just how that goes, and nor should he, by the way. Uh, that's not a criticism, nor should he uh, give the eagle, hey, we're going to do this, and on third downs we'll do that. No, no, no that's not, that's not, not going to happen. Not good football. Um, one thing that is always – Important to get the Eagles staying out of short yardage. Um, you, know, oh, you never great, want to be in short yardage against any team, but the brotherly shove, the tush push. Which, first of all, which one are you? I'm team brotherly shove. I mean, I, I team brotherly shove has got a little bit more poetry to it. Tush push is just fun, I think. You know, I, I like them both. I, I like the play. I like that you've. What a Logan answer. I know. I like that you've found something that is 95% effective in the NFL. Like, what? Other teams have tried it and they can't do it. So whatever no. you're coaching there, whatever, whatever, I love that. And people are like, Logan, you're so lame. I just like something in the NFL that is so dominant because very rarely do you find anything that is that effective. And so, um, but to your point, which is a great point, does and I want to ask Jack this, I want to ask Ron this, I want to ask everybody in the building, how do you call the game the game differently knowing that that's in the bag? Like, right. what do you do? Because do it's not different. just stay out of third and one. Like, you got to stay out of fourth and one. That's like, the thing. 
Yes. It, it is there in four down territory more than any other team. It is a definitively harder task to defend this offense because you truly like giving up eight yards in three downs is a, probably one too many. Yes. And I think that that's, do you, one of the things about Jack is he's kind of got this bend, but don't break philosophy, which I think he's been a little bit more aggressive to his credit. And you mentioned that Jack kind of finds his stride at week five or six of the season. And that's, I think a lot of people are very frustrated by that, but also credit to Jack that you are finding things that your defense can do. Cause each year it's so funny last year, they were, they were trying all these different coverage structures didn't work. They found something that worked. This year, it seems like they're starting to find something that works. And I don't know why that takes so long, but yeah. good for it's him. It's better late than never, but yeah, God, but, man, <laughs> you can't waste a quarter of the season. But having been a part of teams where the defense is bad and they're trying yeah. to find something. Like when I was in Atlanta, the defense was struggling big time and they couldn't find anything. And there was never a solution. It was one of the worst defenses in the NFL. So at least that you're, you're kind of scratching on the boxes. You're changing how you're coaching. You're finding the right personnel good good job because it's t- being being part of teams like that it's very tough um and i know fans probably don't want to hear good job jack but you know kudos to jack where kudos are due we'll go, um, we'll go with better late than never that's the yeah, official be- stance better, of the take take man podcast <laughs> better late than never that's exactly right um yeah so i i just when i watch other teams i'm i'm trying to figure out if they're handling it differently because it is the second you're in third and one it's it's basically a first down because Third and one is now a shot down for them, which is crazy. So you can't even treat that like a regular third and one because they have fourth and one to go for it. So just that ability and then their ability to maintain these drives, 19 plays, 17 play drives is incredible. And uh, I I think it's just a really fascinating kind of wrinkle to the NFL that no one else has been able to adopt. And I'd love to just get some coach's perspective on it, but obviously – they're going to kind of do what they do. What Jack does is his presser every day and be like, yeah, well, it's good, but you know, we'll figure something out or whatever he says. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's interesting hearing Jason Kelsey talk about it. Uh, the man at the center of it all, literally um, on his podcast on new heights. And he's like, it's organized mass and we mm-hmm. got, we got mass and we know how to get it organized and push in the right direction. And so to me, the defense of it is like, you've got to organize your mass back the other way. Yeah. But it's so hard because it's, it's not just mass, it's force. And like when you have Jalen, who's as strong as he is, and you have, they typically put like AJ Brown and Dallas Goddard, I think are the two guys that are typically pushing. Um, They're they're the push, Jalen's the tush. Um, And like those three on top of the O-line is a ton of force moving forward. And they also know when they're going to go. And so to react quickly enough and get your mass organized, so to speak, on the defensive side, it's just like, even if you put... Payne, Allen, Ridgeway, and like you have Jamin, and like you kind of almost go exactly their formation on the other side and try to push back. Like it's just, it's tough. Like I don't know yeah. what this, I don't know what it's funny because I don't know what the, the, the best defense is, but no one else can run it like the Eagles do. So it tells you that it's not really a schematic thing, it's an execution thing, and the Eagles yeah. are just better at executing it than everybody else. Well, it's interesting because they're, they're, now there's a rule on the defensive side of the ball that you can't push defensive players. Remember how they used to do that for field goals all the time? They used to kind of do the stack where they'd... Um, oh, yeah, they limit team. some of that stuff, so, yeah. So you can't do that. So there is a little bit of a rule imbalance there. And I think even if you were to say, hey, let's go, let's let's put a guy on Kelsey's right shoulder, a guy to Kelsey's left shoulder, and then two guys outside of them, the problem is, is they don't always run the tush-push. They do like the little pitch play or whatever. So you still have to be defensively sound 
it, so it is it's it's a really it's a really nice set piece for them and they do a great job with it but um yeah i do think it's gonna that that's gonna obviously play a huge role in the game it played a huge role in the miami game got them a ton of first downs that you know they would have been off the field for so um what's jack's solution uh i would imagine it's going to change how he calls the game on first second and third down just to stay out of those situations and uh, like we talked about i do think the defense is progressing it'll be interesting to see if they progress against a better team because the one thing about philly's offense is you know they've kind of gotten away from running the ball they still run the ball but they're not as efficient as they were early in the season but it doesn't really matter because they're going to they're going to keep running the football and then they have A.J. Brown, they have Devontae Smith, they have Dallas Goddard, they have Swift out of the backfield. And so they can beat you in all these different ways. And let's say you double-team uh, A.J. Brown, then you're going to have Devontae Smith in a one-on-one. Like, There's just so many ways this team can beat you. And right when you feel like the offense is starting to lull when you're watching games of theirs, they they find they find somebody. It's Goddard for a screen for 20 yards. And you're like, oh, now they're in a rhythm. And then there they go. And so I think that's going to be the challenge this week is much like in the first game where they got that explosive explosive play to Devontae Smith, um, you know, right before the right before half that led to the field goal is yeah. how then do you kind of refocus yourself defensively? Because that's going to be the solution is throwing the ball. How do you kind of batten down the hatches and make sure we're in a good position to be successful? So that's why this is really compelling to me from a defensive standpoint, because yeah, you could be great for three quarters, but they're so explosive. They're so dynamic. It's, it's going to be this great chess match the whole time if if the commanders are going to be competitive and potentially win the game. Well, we got three more hours to talk about it on Sunday. Tap Sports Bar, MGM National Harbor, the Take Command pregame show. We will see you then and there. Of course, I've got some radio shows to do between now and then. Hope you'll join me on the Hoffman Show on the Team 984 to 7 weekdays. Uh, you can also watch all of that on YouTube at the team 980 and the take command pregame show simulcast at 1067 the fan as well uh for logan i'm craig we'll see you sunday uh have a great rest of your week and thanks for listening to take command